You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Week one, almost in the books, outside of Monday Night Football, between the Ravens and Raiders, which we will be discussing. Uh, But 15 games down so far and a pretty interesting week. Um, Welcome into the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Uh, I am Julian Edlow. You can find me on Twitter at Julian Edlow. My name, he is Steve Buchanan. You can find him on Twitter at SBuchanan24. Um, And you can find us on Twitter at UnreasonableOdd. Um, singular. and yes, singular at unreasonable odd for the unreasonable <laughs> odds podcast presented by DraftKings, um, where we will throughout the course of the season be giving away more bets on DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, promoting some, uh, you know, unreasonable odds bets that we'll be putting up on DK Sportsbook. And of course, just tweeting out the podcast, tweeting out our plays throughout the season. Um, all right, where to go from here? Week one, interesting week. Um, underdogs, 11 and four against the spread. Unbelievable. Eight and seven outright. Road teams with fans back in the stands, pack stadiums, nine and six against the spread, um, including some more big, big upsets. So we're going to kind of recap week one by, by going into a new segment here. We are building new segments for you guys on unreasonable odds. Uh, some of them have names. Some of them don't yet. This one does have a name. It's called Cash It or Trash It. And we are going to go into some of our favorite winners and least favorite losers from week one. And since it's called Cash It or Trash It, we will start with where we cashed. And I want to bring up the San Francisco 49ers and actually also to a degree the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because yep. two things. Two of my biggest caches of the week were San Francisco 49ers minus seven and a Niners minus one, Bucks minus one and a half. Tease. Numbers mattered. These numbers were hung on the board for four months. If you didn't sit around and wait and did your research and knew what you wanted to bet, you cashed. Tampa wins by two. Hook mattered on that teaser. If you waited, you lost. Yep. The 49ers, despite being up 38 to 10, 41 to 17, went by eight. That one sat at eight, eight and a half, nine, nine and a half. A lot of people lost. And I said on the sweat, don't worry about it. Lay the nine, nine and a half with the Niners. They're going to blow this one out. We were on pace for that, but it didn't happen. Now, I'm real, real quick, real quick. Go ahead. Did that game 
change your perception about that team, the Lions? No, because it was all vicious backdoor, a vicious backdoor cover that involved an onside kick and a pretty ridiculous fumble. It, the one thing that uh, I don't want to say this changed my mind, but like I knew the Lions would try. Like they're not just sure. a tanking team. But a lot of people said the Houston Texans would be a tanking team. And look what happened there. But we're digressing. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, this is just uh, my, my PSA of that the number matters. Get it early if, yeah. you, if you know it's going to move and it can make the difference. Because I cashed my Tampa-San Francisco teaser. I cashed my, cashed my San Francisco spread. And a lot of people lost on both. Yeah. Um, so I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. It's just a perfect example of, of how these, these numbers um, can absolutely matter. Yeah, so, you know, obviously my big one was Bills minus six and a half. Didn't think it was going to be much of an issue. And there was a couple of things that was surprising. You know, my, my big thing that I was very excited about to take the Bills on that one was that the offensive line against the uh, Bills defensive line was a big mismatch. At the end of the day, they really didn't get a lot of pressure on Big Ben. He was only under pressure on 20% of his dropbacks, which was way less than I expected. And when Ben Roethlisberger is under pressure, that's where you really can start to kind of confuddle with him. He hasn't really had to deal with that over the past few years. He's had a strong offensive line in front of him. Um, at least for this game, it wasn't much of, a, of an issue. It was just more that Ben couldn't hit his receivers. That's why he only ended up with 188 passing yards on, um, on 18 completions. But a 56.3% completion rate. He was just not hitting his guys. The Bills corners did their job. They did well in doing so. But the end of the game just was just, it all happened so fast. I, I couldn't figure out what happened. The, the blocked, uh, the block punt that they brought back for a touchdown. It was just, it was a mess. And it was just, and they just didn't have that magic at the end to do it. They had a chance to potentially tie it back up. They couldn't get it done. And the bills take an early loss, which was not what really anybody had expected. Like, even though that they were only, I, I say only, but six and a half point favorites, you know, they never felt like they were in that game. They just could not get anything done offensively. It was a really surprising game for the Bills. So that was a tough loss because there was a bunch of teasers that I had that in and, you know, didn't happen. Didn't happen at all. And to think that, you know, you were getting them down to basically a pick them, no problem, right? That probably felt like one of the safest ones. It just It was a surprising game. Um, I don't think the Steelers deserve to win that game. They didn't look like a team that deserved to win that team. It wasn't like they came out and trashed the, the Bills. Uh, they just had a couple of things fall their way, and that's all it took for them to win this game. The Bills just could not get it done offensively uh, on Sunday. All right. Well, you started out with trash it. It's cash it or trash it. Well, I was very upset about that. Work in reverse now and tell us what you cashed. Easy one, an easy one. So Devonta Smith or Devonte Smith, I hear both. I'm going to stick with Devonta uh, Smith until further notice. Uh, but I had him at uh, his over yardage prop, which easily hit. Uh, Jalen Hurts was on him. He ended up catching uh, six balls, 71 yards, and his first touchdown as a rookie on eight targets. 
looked fantastic in doing so. Him and Hertz clearly have a good rapport already, even though they didn't play much together during the preseason and whatnot. But it just goes to show like that is going to be the guy. When you look at the target distribution in this game, it was pretty well spread out. Actually, Jalen Rieger was uh, second with six targets. Dallas Goddard and Miles Sanders both had five in that one, too, as well. So he was spreading the ball around a little bit there, too, as well. But uh, Smith is going to be a player. And it's easy to say that when they're going up against the Falcons, who arguably have one of the worst secondaries in the league. Prayers to them going up against the Buccaneers in week two. That's going to be a trashing, but that's for a story later on. Uh, but that was an easy cash on that one, which we needed, to, which we really needed, because, uh, like I said, I was so heavily invested in the Bills. So Cash Smith, trash the Bills. Go on with yours. All right. So my trash, I'm going to go to two real quick because I put this on Twitter and I think it's really important to go over your losses and try and notice what you did right or wrong. So my trash, my trash is green Bay minus three and a half. Um, woo, 38 to three on a neutral field. I was so confused. How does it go from three at the Superdome to three and a half in Jacksonville? Um, 92% of the money of the handle of the spread on green Bay. And yet it, it, it's not moving. It's not budging. That red flag should have gone up for me. I, not even to say, Hey, go bet the saints because I like the Packers side, but maybe to say when you're in that type of situation, just lay off. I don't, you don't need to bet that game. Um, so that's what I learned from that. And then from, uh, from another perspective, like I cashed the 49ers, but I bet Mostert props over 62 and a half yards. That got <laughs> bet up to 78 and a half. I bet Mostert to get in the end zone. I will make that bet 10 out of 10 times. They ran 100%. all over the Lions. He had two carries, 20 yards, got hurt immediately, came out. Right. Um, the backup, Mitchell, ran for over 100 yards and a touchdown. That would have been Mostert. The third stringer scored a touchdown. Yeah. So that is one that is a trash it that I like what I did there. I will go back and do it. I will maybe bet Green Bay rushing props against the Lions on Monday Night Football in week two. Um, but Green Bay, oof, throw that in the trash. That was a trap. Um, silly, silly me. Well, two things that I want to add to that too. Uh, speaking about Mo Mostert, uh, Trey Sermon was a healthy inactive in that game as well. So it's like even another reason to want to take Mostert in that spot. Like everything aligned. It was like the perfect scenario. Except for injuries, which are always going to be an issue when you're betting these player props. It's a, you know, it's unlike any other sport, except the exception of hockey, but nobody bets hockey. So no one can relate. So it's always going to be one of those issues. Otherwise, the way that we saw the two carries on 20 yards, I mean, he's easily going to exceed that, especially with how, how much of the 49ers were up at one point. Like that would have been one of the easiest caches you would have had if he stayed um, healthy in that one. The Packers, um, I tweeted that out, the, you know, DraftKings Sportsbook should, you know, give out some free bets of all the money they made off of this game. <laughs> you know, like spread the love a little bit, please. But the Packers minus three and a half had 91% of the handle and 88% of the bets. The Packers money line, which is at minus 200, 79% of the handle, 88% of the bets. Like it wasn't just you. It was the whole entire public, except, you know, the 9% of people who ended up betting on the Saints. Like, it was amazing how bad the Packers look and how bad that they got thrashed by Jameis Winston and his, you know, carousel of, you know, who, who is this and who are they receivers. But they absolutely got it done. Uh, week one is always, in my opinion, one of the toughest, game, uh, toughest weeks uh, to handicap, as well as what will be 
you know, week 18. Is week 18 or week 17 is the final week now? 18. 18. 17 right. games in 18 weeks. Right. So week 18 is also one of the hardest ones because of guys in and out. And uh, it's almost like, you know, pre uh, six weeks of preseason. So uh, those are the two toughest weeks. But now we have some data. We have the eyeballs test now to go and make some bets for week two. And of course, that's what we're going to be giving out uh, all throughout the week. All right. Well, that's cash it or trash it on the unreasonable odds podcast. Um, yeah, a lot of trash, but hopefully we get more cash. All right. And wrapping up week one, we have a really good matchup tonight. Baltimore Ravens at the Las Vegas Raiders. Have to get used to that. Las Vegas Raiders. Make sure to continue to remember that. Um, the Ravens are favored in this one. Minus four on the spread. 50 and a half is the total on this one. Uh, 210 on the money line for the Ravens. Uh, 175 for the Raiders on the money line as we record this about 2.30 in the afternoon on Monday. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on this one, Julian? I'm kind of leaning on the under on this total at 50 and a half. I think that's going to be like my play on this one. Obviously, there's been a lot of injuries to the Ravens. Uh, the Raiders offensive line lost three legitimate starters during the off season. they got a bunch of young kids up there. They're going to try to protect uh, Derek Carr. And we know how much the Ravens uh, love to blitz the quarterback. And I think that's going to be uh, something that's going to be implemented a lot in this game early and often. So for me, not seeing a ton of points coming from the Raiders. Uh, I don't love the spread overall. I think it's a pretty well set number. I really don't have a, a feel on that one, but I think the under 50 and a half is going to be uh, where I'm landing on this game. Yeah, I don't mind the under. Um, that's probably where I would lean. But uh, yeah, so I initially wrote up for my best bets article and for Monday night, um, Ravens minus four. But I got this out in the middle of last week. Uh, I think a day prior to the Gus Edwards torn ACL, the Marcus yeah. Peters torn ACL, which is probably uh, honestly like, you know, a running back goes down. I don't think much of it. When Dobbins went down, I was like, not a big deal. Um, they have Gus right. Edwards behind them. They have Justice Hill, a young <laughs> running back. Both of those guys now for the season, like now it is an issue. Uh, when you lose, those were, I, I get that um, this other kid who's the other running back, his props aren't even up right now. Williams for the Ravens was maybe going to be ahead of Justice Hill on the depth chart. But still, this is arguably the Ravens' top three running backs that got hurt. Peters is a, a beast uh, in the secondary. So I don't know. I, I might even write up hedging out of the number. It was only a one-unit play. Maybe I'll just let it ride on the Ravens. I, I'll consider hedging out of it. So it, it is a tough game to take a side on. I think this is one to go to the props, and I think it's yeah. one – where, you know, we're going to – what am I trying to say here? The, what the Ravens are going to do at running back is going to take time. They've signed Le'Veon Bell, Davies right. Murray, and Devonta Freeman. Three names that we know very well in the fantasy community. Three guys that um, nothing was expected of this season. So maybe these guys get incorporated down the line. But in the short term, I think this means relying on Lamar Jackson more on the ground. So where I'm looking is some combination of – I gave it out on, on one of our shows on the sweat on Sunday. Lamar Jackson over 69.5 rushing yards. It's now at 72.5. Yeah. Still don't mind the over there. Big number, but he's going to take on even more without these running backs. 
Lamar Jackson minus 115 to score. Lamar Jackson over 11 and a half carries. Some combination of those rushing props for Lamar Jackson is where I'm going to go because I think the short term is where it hurts Baltimore the most with these running backs out. And, you know, within a few weeks, then maybe we start to see Latavius Murray worked into 15 carries and being an RB1 or something. But that's not going to happen on Monday Night Football week one. Yeah, the only prop that I found for Williams uh, under running back was uh, the over under on his uh, longest reception, which is set at eight and a half yards, uh, even money on the over uh, minus 130 on the under there. And obviously, you know, we haven't seen um, anything from him. So it's, you know, what are we going to get from him out of that? But, you know, it's really as the the Ravens are saying, it's um, his backfield to lose at this point. Um, he's basically the last guy standing, which has just been in just a, like a surreal, like rash of injuries to that group. It was just unbelievable to see that before they even take the field uh, during the regular season. Uh, we could see, you know, guys like Bell and Murray take maybe a handful of touches in this game. It doesn't sound like any of them are going to get really any meaningful time. Uh, this is going to be Williams game uh, to run behind Lamar Jackson. Of course, obviously uh, he's a big dude too, six, uh, six feet tall, 220. Uh, it's a big guy. So, um, you know, what we're going to see from him, you look good in the preseason, that's for sure. Uh, but we don't know what we're really going to get in game action here. So I think I'm just going to be mostly sticking uh, with that under, like I mentioned. Uh, one thing I was kind of surprised about, and I want to just kind of get your take on this real quick too. Uh, 65% of the handles on the, I was on the Ravens at minus four in this game. Uh, do you, do you like or does it worry that there's that much money on the road dog in this one? You know, I, Again, I don't really have a feel for the spread on this one, but I would probably lean towards the plus four on the Raiders as as the home team in this one. I'm just surprised that it's so uh, so unevenly spread between these two teams, at least in toward, terms of the handle. Uh, yeah, a couple of things here, I guess. This is an instance of, like, this game's been on the board for four months, and these injuries happened five days ago. So there's a lot of bets from before – Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters that happened where the money already went in on the Ravens. Me, for example, being part of that crowd. So like I'm the perfect example of maybe why these splits look the way that they look. Whereas if this game was in week two, you know, not many people bet it before the Wednesday and then these injuries happen. And then maybe more money goes on the Raiders side. Number two, I think some sharp money will come in late on the Raiders. um, Just being a home dog. But however, just to go to the numbers and the Raiders have been a good primetime home team under Gruden. Um, But the, you know, road teams are nine and six ATS so far in week one, the Ravens went five, two and one against the spread on the road in the regular season last year, the Ravens have covered 22 of their last 34 road games overall. So like that is, this is why I bet the Ravens, the Ravens are generally a good road bet. Now I'm a little worried that this might be a tough spot for them to get off to a good start. But overall, just to loop back to the question, no, it doesn't surprise me, only because betters have had so long to get in on this number. And so relatively speaking, you know, Wednesday, Thursday injury news is to be expected, but not leading into week one when a game's been on the board for months. 
yeah, I, I, I think I think that's a good way to put it here. So just kind of wrap up here. Uh, we do like uh, Lamar Jackson anytime touchdown score at minus 115. I mean, it's almost a given with the amount of rat brash uh, number of injuries that the running backs have. Uh, you can get Williams anytime touchdown score at plus 152 as well. As I mentioned, if they do stick to that plan, that is his backfield to lose. He should be very much involved in that too as well. And um, I think really um, the only other thing I might be taking a look at um, here is, is maybe looking at Lamar Jackson's uh, um, passing props in this one too, as well. The over under on his passing yards is only at 214 and a half. Again, with how the injuries have played out, we could be forced to uh, see him throw more. So the 214 thing, and a half. Go ahead. The thing there, though, is like they're banged up at receiver too. They are. Bateman. They are. Um, who else? Somebody else is hurt. Well, they do have Sammy Watkins in the midst, in the mix too, as well. Right. So Week are, one. Week one, week hero. one, Sammy Watkins. Right, exactly. That was exactly where I'm going towards the week one hero and the week 18 hero. That's the guy. That's the guy you always want to be looking at. Uh, but that is probably going to do it for this one. Let me hold on. I'll, I'll tell you when we're done here. All right. Throwing one more out there. The Raiders, Gruden's really good um, at scripting out the early drives. Like the Raiders are a good score first team, a good first quarter bet. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you see how things go from there. But first home game in Vegas, everybody's going to be hyped up. Um, I think the Ravens are probably, are, sorry, the Raiders um, are going to look good early, regardless of how this one ends. I do not mind taking a stab at all at Darren Waller, plus a thousand first touchdown of the game. Yeah. Um, and you look through the names, like outside of Lamar Jackson, like Waller's the most talented guy, most likely guy, I would think, to score a touchdown. You've got Josh Jacobs, who's questionable in there, plus 850. Kenyon Drake in the mix. Now those two guys are taking from each other. Like uh, Darren Waller at 10 to 1 first score is one that jumps out to me. Yeah, I don't hate that one either because obviously, you know, the Raiders have had, you know, wide receiver one issues for feels like years now. At this point, Waller has kind of really uh, stepped into that role. So you're getting some good money on that too as well. Um, can I can I wrap this down? With, or, do I have Yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're fine. Okay. Okay. All right. So that's going to do it for tonight's uh, Monday Night Football matchup. So hopefully we'll go catch some stuff on that. All right, everybody. We are making some adjustments here on the Unreasonable Odds podcast. It is a new season. We're coming at you Mondays and Thursdays, and we are adding new segments. So welcome into the first edition of Odds Are with Johnny Avello. And for that, we uh, welcome none other onto the podcast than the man himself, um, Mr. Johnny Avello, the head honcho here, really, at, at DK Sportsbook. Uh, thank you for coming on, doing your first segment with us here on the Unreasonable Odds podcast, Johnny. Yeah, thanks, Julian. Pretty excited about the podcast, and uh, uh, thanks for having me on today. Yeah, of course. This is going to be a, a Monday uh, thing where we get you on here for 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, of course, Johnny, the director of race and sportsbook operations at DK Sportsbook. So uh, you are the man to ask when it comes to an NFL Monday, some questions about what happened in week one, what is maybe going to happen in week two. So to start off here, I think, you know, one of the more popular things in, in the NFL now is whatever money line parlays, six point teasers with those teams floating right around a touchdown favorite. And there were really five teams, I think, coming into week one that were super popular to do that with the Niners and the Bucks, teams that we saw that number blow up and get up to nine and a half at times and kind of 
protect the books almost on those teasers to get up to three and a half on the six point teases. Um, and then you had the Rams that came through one by 20, the chiefs one didn't cover. And then the bills were the one to do it to us. The team that lost outright. These teams obviously went four and one, the bills, the six and a half point home favorite that went down. Um, how did DraftKings Sportsbook do with those teams in terms of teasers, money line parlays, and, and how much did the bills outright loss kind of help, help DraftKings Sportsbook there? Well, the, the money line parlays and teasers were solid winners for the players that use those winning combinations. But you had to lay a pretty stiff juice, you know. So our yeah. results, they weren't so awful for us. Uh, the, now, the Bills game you mentioned uh, didn't help us at DK. We were loaded with Steelers money line at prices ranging from minus 280 to plus 230. And that's where we closed. So you could see a significant move there showing that we did take quite a bit of money on the money line. Wow. All right. So there's, uh, I mean, uh, underdogs heading into Monday Night Football, 11-4 and four against the spread and 8-7 and seven outright. So some money line tickets definitely cashing um, on those underdogs. So this is kind of a week one specific question for me, but like we have these, these numbers hanging on the board for four months. It's, it's unlike any other, any other week in, in NFL. How, and this is more of a historical question, I guess, how much do you see those numbers actually come into play? And I think the perfect example here was, was that Niners-Lions game and that ridiculous backdoor on the closing number, at least, with, with the Lions. San Francisco was, was, was my best bet for week one, but I gave it out back in, like, May and was telling everybody to get the seven, get the seven and a half, and then it's 38 to 10. Doesn't look like it's going to matter. It absolutely mattered in the end. How much do you see that type of stuff happening in week one? Yeah, you know, it certainly happened on two of those games. Uh, and sometimes early wagering is best if you're looking at the favorite. Um, if you're looking at the underdog, waiting may be the optimum strategy. Now, Julian, no one has the crystal ball to know exactly where the line is going. You know, we can only speculate. But, the, you know, I would stay with those two types of strategies. All right. Um, so here's a game that I – there was some red flags there. I dove in head first. I wish I hadn't. The spread with the largest handle on DK Sportsbook, the last time I took a look at the splits on Sunday, was Green Bay with 92% of the handle. This is a game, the number was three when this was supposed to be in the Superdome. Moves to a neutral location, becomes four, gets up to maybe four and a half, um, and then comes back down to three and a half, despite all this money on the Packers. Um you know, what did, what did odds makers see that made you hold so strong on that number with all, even potentially some of that reverse line movement, even with all that money coming in on green Bay? Well, we actually opened up the Packers two and a half uh, and we would have most likely got pushed to three on that game, uh, even if there was no change in venue. Uh, but there were a couple of factors to consider, you know, when the site change was announced. Uh, firstly, the team's power ratings weren't that far apart. Uh, you know, when you looked at them, you know, they were only a few, few, and this is week one heading into the season. Right. Um, secondly, we didn't initially know where the change was going to be. Uh, the Saints were practicing at AT&T in Dallas, so that seemed like the viable option. And then the NFL and the teams decided on Jacksonville, which is more home to the Saints than the Packers. Um, one other consideration in that game, why that game came down, is after the handicappers looked at it, 
they realized that the Packer offensive line was kind of a mess in that game. And so I think that's where maybe the late push came in. Yeah, that may, I mean, after watching the game, that certainly makes sense. Um, one quick follow-up on that, actually, though, because I think that's really interesting that Jacksonville is potentially more of a home to the Saints than the Packers. When we're talking like neutral field here, the rare neutral field type of game in the NFL, how much does that actual location of, of the game come into play? Or, or, for example, like, would the number have been different if this game was in Dallas versus Jacksonville? I don't think so. That's still okay. close, close proximity uh, to New Orleans. So I think that's that's the first thing you look at. How close is it in the fans traveling to the game? Uh, you know, if the game was more in the Midwest, then I think you would have saw a bigger movement. All right, Johnny. Here's one that I'm kicking myself for not playing. Every time anybody asked me all week, I said, take Texans plus three. It feels gross, but we're talking about a one-win team on the road with a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach and you are favored. I cannot remember ever seeing that. Um, and here we are talking about it in week one. I did not go dumpster diving with the Texans plus three. I am furious that I did not. Um, we saw about two thirds of the money. I think it was on Jacksonville as that as that road favorite somewhere in that ballpark. What went into setting this number? Why weren't the Texans favorite? We were kind of thinking along your lines, uh, Julian. You know, Tyrod Taylor has been around a long time. He's about a 58% completion passer for his tenure in the NFL. And he really does keep the mistakes at a minimum. You look at the Jags, they were 0-8 on the road last year. And what I believed happened is the betters fell in love with the college careers of Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence and believed that that success would translate to the NFL week one. I I, I'm not, I'm not going to forgive myself for not getting on the Texans uh, in, in that game. Um, all right. So there's, there's some, some week one recap type of stuff. Uh, but before we wrap up here with Johnny Avello um, of DK Sportsbook, we want to take a quick uh, look ahead to week two here on the unreasonable odds podcast. Um, week, I mean, week two has been open for a while on DK Sportsbook, but obviously numbers changing now that we've, we've, you know, got some, some work on the field compared to some of these look ahead numbers. Um, so where, where are you seeing some of the most early money going both before week one happened? And now since we've seen the games, what are, what are the numbers that are getting hit the most on DK Sportsbook? Well, since we've seen the games is where we're seeing more of the movement. The Cards at home versus the Vikings has taken some early money with that line moving from the Cardinals minus two and a half to three, uh, mm. three and a half. Now, you know, you you look at the performance of both teams. I think uh, the Cards were more surprising team yesterday. The power rating went up a little bit. The better sense that uh, and, and think that's a good play at this point. And the Bills on the road at the Dolphins. They're seeing some early support. The Bills are. Uh, that spread also moving from Bills two and a half to three and a half. I think that line might be more uh, of a move based on the Bills losing the game, expecting a better effort out of them. Yeah. And Dolphins showed okay defensively, offensively. They were just so-so. Yeah. Um, all right, so sticking with week two really quick, uh, are there any of these numbers that you kind of expect to see a lot of movement on? Um, do you think that the bigger movements on ones, you know, like Arizona, like Buffalo have already happened or are there any other games on the board that you think, uh, could see some, some significant movement? 
I expect the Browns spread and money line both to move significantly during the week. Uh, you know, Cleveland put in a really good effort against the Chiefs, and now they're home against the Texans, who are coming off that big win. We mm-hmm. opened the Browns 11 and a half. I could see this game getting to 13 or even higher than that. And then Green Bay at home versus the Lions will also make its way up the ladder by next Monday night. Think about it. Green Bay scores three points. Uh, they're at home on a Monday night, and everyone's thinking that, you know, the real Green Bay will show up. Will they? We'll see, Julian. <laughs> yeah, we're talking some heavy favorites in week two, getting those numbers bet up even more. Um, so I think that's that's pretty, pretty interesting there. Um All right. Last one. Uh, In terms of these teams that we have not seen yet, that being the the Ravens and the Raiders, and you've got a team like the Chiefs going up on that big Sunday night football game, kind of a uh, almost a look ahead spot on a short week for a team like Baltimore, who has had bodies dropping like flies. What goes into kind of, you know, uh, one of the only teams that we, we haven't seen yet and setting that Sunday night line with with the Chiefs? Yeah, you only can look at uh, – there's going to be some changes in this line. We mm-hmm. saw what the Chiefs did. We know that the Chiefs and the Ravens are probably going to be, t- if if not the top two contenders in the AFCs, definitely uh, the Ravens will be in the top four or five. Uh, and so we open up the, the Chiefs, a small favorite, one and a half, and then we'll see what lies ahead for tonight, after tonight. That game could be – that game could be uh, Chiefs a bigger favorite. Um or it could even be the Ravens the favorite if we saw an outstanding performance tonight. I don't think the Ravens will be the favorite, but it could come down to possibly a pick or even one uh, Chiefs. Yeah. I mean, this is one for for me where I feel like you probably want to grab the Chiefs on the look-ahead line just because the Ravens are – they've had so many injuries. This is a spot where the Ravens either come out and look good but don't blow you away, or they come out and say, whoa, these injuries are starting to add up. Might want to get on the Chiefs early. but. These are look ahead lines and we will uh, we will see where they go. But um, that is odds are with Johnny Avello, the, the director of race and sportsbook operations here at DK Sportsbook. Uh, Johnny, thank you for coming on the Unreasonable Odds podcast. And we look forward to doing this segment on uh, Mondays with you. You're welcome, Julian. Have a fine week. All right. So a lot of great info there from Johnny Avello at DK Sportsbook. Um and when we kind of wrapped up talking about week two, so now Steve and I are going to pick up with week two. Um, obviously, we're going to come to you with an unreasonable odds episode with a guest and, and look at all these week two lines, but it's never too early to dive in. So a couple of spots that jumped out to me immediately. I kind of, I'll even start on the, the Thursday night game. I know that Fitzmagic is, is going to be out for a bit. Yeah. But um, I don't, this Taylor Heineke dude, Played okay uh, coming in in Wake. He looked okay in the playoffs against Brady and the Super Bowl champion Bucks. Um, I don't think he's that bad. I think the Giants are bad, and I think this Washington front is going to get a lot of pressure on yeah. Daniel Jones on the road. I am kind of liking a couple of things Thursday night. I'm kind of liking the football team minus four. Look ahead was five and a half, so we get a point yep. and a half of value here for Fitzpatrick being out. And I don't think it'll be that big of a deal. And the total has been bet down to 41. I still think this one might go under, but I might just focus on the Giants team total under instead. Um, I don't know exactly where I'm going there. Washington minus four is probably going to be a play for me. 
Yeah, I don't hate that either. You know, Daniel Jones, we already saw him under pressure 26% of his dropbacks in week one. Um, obviously, he's going to be an issue all season long. That's just going to be, you know, one of the Giants' biggest uh, downfalls. And now you're facing one of the best overall defensive teams in the league. We just saw how well they played against the Chargers uh, last week. And then they're just going to give Daniel Jones a ton of problems in this one. You look at the over-under of this one, obviously, it's not a very high number. Uh, would not normally be looking at an under 41 but under 41 kind of feels like the play, right? Like it feels like that's going to yeah. be where you're going to have to be looking towards. That just feels a little bit too high. Like I wouldn't be surprised if this is like, you know, in the mid thirties where it ends up for the score. So uh, under 41 hate taking unders when the total is that low to begin with, but kind of that feels like the play for me. The one that stood out to me uh, immediately only minus five and a half of the Patriots against the Jets. I mean, really other than like the last half of the third quarter into the fourth quarter, like, what did you really see from the Jets that would, you know, only make them five and a half point underdogs? Like, Zach Wilson looked absolutely lost last week, getting absolutely no rhythm going at all, nothing going on offense. You know, if they get Jamison Crowder back last week, obviously that would be a nice bump. Uh, it took them a while to really get going with Corey Davis, who was their big uh, offseason acquisition, whereas the Patriots, other than a couple of boneheaded plays, could have easily won that game against Miami last week. Now, I, I was, you know, all high on Miami, that three and a half. Oh, we thought about that in cash or the trash. Cash that three and a half from Miami. Yeah, that's we, how you're – God. We said that weeks ago. I know, but that's okay. You know, we, we dab a little bit here and there. Intertwining segments. But uh, minus five and a half for the Patriots, it just feels too low. And I feel like that's going to move – as the week goes on at once week one wraps up at five and a half. I was surprised that that was as low as it was. Well, it was three and a half on Sunday. So yeah. it has so been there you go. Yeah. To oblivion. Look, I don't mind that. I don't mind Broncos in Jacksonville, which was two and a half on Sunday minus yeah. six. Is the value kind of getting scraped up? Sure. But I mean, Jacksonville, and I talked about this with Johnny Avella. Why did I not? And I said this, Come on, you're taking a one-win team in Jacksonville and making them a road favorite in week one with a rookie head coach and rookie quarterback. Yeah. I should have seen that one coming. I'm so (laughs) – I'll probably lay some points, little small play with the Patriots. I'll probably lay some points, small play with the Broncos. My big play for week two is going to be, and it's pretty much the same value whether you want to money line, parlay it, or six-point tease it, is the Patriots and Broncos. Um, okay. The Patriots and Broncos are both getting wins in Jacksonville and New York. I'm very confident in it. It's not the heavy favorite money line parlay from the old panel B podcast. I'm not quite bringing that back. Just two teams keeping it simple. That'll be my big play. I'll probably, by the time you're watching to listening to this podcast, I'll probably have a best bets article up with that play. So that's the one that jumped out to me as the, the I don't know if they're square, but just the, the spots that I'm really all about in week two. So if you want to add those to a teaser, because we always love that, uh, I have no problem throwing the Buccaneers if you want to make it a three-pick uh, teaser. No, we no? don't want to make it a three-team. Why? Why? Because we're not as greedy as you. Well, I'm greedy. <laughs> so I'm going to add the Buccaneers to make it plus money and plus 160. You get the Buccaneers oh. down to six and a half. Why not? The Buccaneers aren't going to beat the, the Falcons by a, by a touchdown. By over a touchdown? Come on. And, and this isn't out yet, so let me ask you this. this the, the team total is not out for the Buccaneers as of yet. The over-under in this game is 52. 
What would you guess is going to be the team total for the Buccaneers? I was thinking 30 and a half. Well, I mean, it's just math, but I'm not good at math. I have to do it. So, I mean, hmm. Yeah, it's going to be 32 and a half. Yeah. Is that what you said? I said 30 and a half. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be 32 and a half, 31 and a half for the Bucks. Would you, would you be taking the over? Would you still think the over is in play? Um, like they should be smashing I mean, this team at home against the Falcons. The Eagles just scored 32 right against them. So, I mean, in theory, yes, but this is one of those, this is one of those week two things that you handicap as, well, the Eagles scored 32 on the road. So the Bucks <laughs> are going to score more than 32 at home. And then the Bucks win the game. Yeah. 30, what, 31 <laughs> to three. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to do anything with the Bucks this week. They're too big of a, too big of a favorite. Um, well, I'll tell you what I'm doing with the Bucks. I'm adding them to the Patriots and Broncos teaser. That's what I'm doing right. with the Bucks. Do you real? Are you really not interested in taking that at plus one sixty? I would rather just keep it to the Pats and Broncos to to win. Like that's that's so boring. That's so boring. Like you got to get the stronger play. It, it is a stronger. Okay, well, obviously, but that's why it's minus one twenty. Yeah, the Buccaneers there. Plus if you want, if you made me get to plus money, I would put the Bucks and Packers money lines in to get to plus one forty two. You're going back to the Packers. I'm going back to the Packers at home against the Lions. Well, okay. If you that's, made that's, me, that's fair. No, that's fair. Okay, that's fine. Fine. I mean, if the Packers don't, if the Packers don't come back and smash the Lions on Monday Night Football, we got they're issues. Big trouble. We we got issues. We got, we absolutely have issues. Okay, uh, so that is the first look ahead. Obviously, later in the week we're going to be doing uh, another show, so we'll have uh, some more in depth analysis as that goes along. But if you want to get some early numbers, some enticing numbers, like we already said, Patriots already moved up two points on the spread from three and a half to five and a half. So definitely keep an eye on some of those. But this is definitely the time to get some of the better numbers that you can, because as we saw with the 49ers, uh, if you waited too long, you ain't cashing. So, you know, maybe read some football articles early. You know, even in the month of August, it's still worth reading some football articles. People do that. But there's a lot that you can do and get some of these good numbers here. So that is absolutely uh, take a look at these lines early. When we are back here on Thursday, we will give some more uh, in-depth analysis for those as well. All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast. As always, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Julian Edlow, at SBuchanan24, and most importantly, follow the podcast new Twitter page at Unreasonable Odd. Just take the S off. Uh, that's how you'll find us on Twitter. We will be back with another guest on Thursday talking about the entire week two slate to get you ready for DFS and betting and make you some money. Until Thursday, talk to you then. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.